This is a podcast from RNIB's Insight Radio. Attacks on guide dogs by other dogs are on the increase, according to a new study. Online journal Veterinary Records says attacks have gone up from 3 per month in 2010 to 11 per month last year. 87 people were left with injuries, including nearly 60 guide dog owners. We'll hear more from the author of the report in a moment, but first let's hear from guide dog owners around the country who have experienced attacks on their own guide dogs. Initially for both of us it was difficult, even a little anxious about going out. I knew there would be problems. My dog was very, very apprehensive approaching any dog, any breed on the street. All of these dogs, in fact, were dogs on leashes pet dogs. We don't tend to come very much into contact with a guide dog, but they were pet dogs. And um, she was very, very anxious. And at first, she would not even want to pass them. People initially, of course, wondered what on earth was going wrong. I would sit my dog, as is her training. In fact, if she's feeling distracted by other dogs, I would sit her and provided I was within reasonable range of the person, engage in conversation, explain that my dog was in fact apprehensive because of this attack and that it was nothing to do with their dog. Because often some people were concerned and would feel it was a bit of a rebuke by my dog on theirs, but it wasn't, not at all. So we had to really work on building up our confidence, which we have done. We walked down through the town, through the city. These two dogs suddenly came flying out from the right-hand side. I hadn't noticed that they were there. I didn't see them, obviously. Milo is my first dog. He's my first guide dog, but uh, I'm familiar with dogs. These two, one black and one yellow, I could make out that. But they just came flying at Milo. The teeth were bared, the barking, and not so much barking as growling, they were just making a, a, a loud noise. They were under the alleged control of a person who, following the lead up, two leads in her right hand. Milo had actually done something that he'd never done before. He twisted away from me to face me. He'd never done that, so he'd stopped guiding me. And he twisted away. He actually pulled the handle of the, the harness out my hands. He has a, the handle of the harness and a lead, which both come up into my left hand so that I can feel any movements from the dog. Uh, and I had these two dogs still pretty close. They were, I, I was getting sprayed with dog saliva and spit and teeth. It was uh, pretty... Horrific. It shook my confidence in that I can't do anything to help Daisy anymore other than trying to keep her working as normal and treating her as normal to try and get her over these attacks. I think they should make it into a government law that dogs have to be kept on leads in public places because when I looked into it deeper, I thought there was a government law. The government law only states that you have to keep your dog under control, not necessarily on a lead. I would have to say, in all fairness, It's not back to 100% yet, but she's working very, very well and with lots of giving her confidence and telling her how well done various things are, that she's improving. I have to say, really, 
she was very, very badly injured. It was a very, very nasty attack. But I'm glad to say she's very, very happy now. She's really getting back to herself, and at least we're looking on moving forward. Voices of guide dog owners speaking about the experience of their own dogs being attacked. Now, let's find out more about this report which came out last week. Rachel Moxon is the author and joins me now. Thanks for coming on the programme, Rachel. You're welcome. Thank you. This is quite a distressing report, I think, for many guide dog owners. Uh, Tell us your main findings from this. So our main findings from the report are the fact that 11 guide dogs on average um, per month seem to be the victim of a dog attack by another dog. Um, and that's kind of our, our headline. And we wrote this report because we wanted to update on the data that we first published in 2010, which is when we first started collecting this data. So in that, at that time, we had three dog attacks from other dogs on guide dog stock every month. And we continued collecting the data ever since then um, because of the impact that, that these incidents have on our guide dog owners. And we just wanted to update the information that was available um, to the public and to the scientific community. Does this suggest that th- there is a continuing problem or th- this is a, a relatively new phenomenon? Have you got data to, to back either of those up? Yeah, so the data that we collected initially was from... Um, we started collecting that in 2009, and I think it suggests it's a continuing problem. There seems to be, um, since 2009, we kind of changed and, and upgraded, if you like, the way that we collect the data. So from the initial project that we published in 2010, we solidified our way of reporting, uh, we promoted our reporting. So rather than a definite increase in attacks, we um, we've definitely had an increase in reporting of attacks because we've promoted it so heavily. Um, so whereas before some might have not been reported to teams, now we, we actively promote this reporting to teams. So we think we're getting a, a better idea of actually the scale of the problem. Whether or not the incidence of attacks are, are actually truly going up, it, it's hard to say because of that improvement in reporting. What is the definition of a dog attack? So to guide dogs, we've had discussion with this with our kind of behavioural experts within guide dogs and we define a dog attack as when a dog sets upon another dog in a violent, forceful or aggressive way involving physical contact. Tell us about the attacks themselves. What kind of level of attack are we talking about here? Is it it dogs that are out of control? Is it unprovoked attacks? Are the guide dogs themselves to blame in some cases? So we collect data... um, on what the guide dog owner or the victim dog's handler, obviously it's not always a guide dog owner, sometimes it's a puppy walker or a guide dog trainer, what they believe is the cause of the attack. So um, we don't have behavioural experts out there all the time watching all of our dogs to to correctly observe what might be the cause of an attack, but we ask what people think was the cause. And so in some circumstances they report it um, as unprovoked, so the guide dog's working along normally, unaware of the dog, and all of a sudden there's a dog attack. Um, sometimes the the dog might be aware of a dog but actually doesn't show any reaction to the dog in the environment and then there's a dog attack. So there can be varying things and we, we base that on what the person, the victim dog's handler, tells us about the circumstances. There are obviously a number of impacts as a result of this, uh, not least yeah. the, the one on the guide dog owner uh, and the guide dog partnership, um, that, that is a major impact, of course. Uh, but there is a real cost to this as well, isn't there? 
Yeah, there is, definitely. I mean, Guide Dogs is a charity. We don't receive any government funding. And so um, the financial cost of these attacks is, is significant. I mean, over the, the five-year period, the vet costs were quite sizable. Um, and also the costs for dogs that are withdrawn. Obviously, we um, we have costs to train, um, breed, train um, a dog, and then we support those dogs for, for their whole life. So, um yeah, there's a cost if we lose a dog in training. Obviously, we have to then replace that dog and train another dog up to the tra- same standard. But also, um, if we lose a dog during its working life, we potentially lose between two maybe and, and five or six years of working life from that dog, which is has a has a financial impact. But obviously, they're really distressing and traumatising incidents for their guide dog owners, and that impact is is significant. The emotional impact of the attacks is significant. Well, yeah, exactly. It's significant because, yeah, there is a huge cost here, and that's a major factor. Um, but you say that there is a real impact on the, the people themselves and the dog, uh, you know, itself. Uh, but, but, of course, it's interesting because, you know, we're talking about this, and it seems as if these attacks are, are getting more and more. That's certainly what the, the report suggests, that there are a lot of these attacks happening. Um, it's not really good enough is it i mean i know a number of the attacks for example could have been avoided according to the report at least if uh, dogs uh, other dogs that is pet dogs were kept on lead yeah i mean we we know that a large proportion of the the attacks so kind of over 60 percent of the attacks were um from dogs that were either with an owner but not on a lead or weren't with an owner and therefore weren't on a lead so a big thing for us is um dogs being under control really over 95% of the attacks happened in public areas, and a lot of those are in town centres and shopping areas, um, residential streets, on pavements. So um, a lot of the attacks could potentially have been avoided if, if the dogs were under control. But you would say that these attacks certainly have an impact long term on those guide dog owners and the dogs themselves? They can do. There are short and long-term impacts, and they're not always related to the severity of the incident. So there were 20 guide dogs that were permanently, 20 guide dog stock that were permanently withdrawn from working as a result of the incidents. But actually, I think it was only 13 of those dogs were, were injured as a result of the attack. So the impact doesn't necessarily tie in with the severity of the incident. Some dogs can be actually quite badly injured, but are happy to go on working, and yet some don't receive an injury and they have to be withdrawn because of the impact on their their character and their working ability. And yes, there's also significant, sometimes short-term and sometimes long-term impacts on the guide dog owner themselves. They um, they report their kind of emotional impacts to us after the attack, and sometimes their short-term impacts, such as feeling shocked or feeling angry or feeling upset, and the next day or a few days later, they can be fine. In certain circumstances, people do have more longer term effects um so feeling upset for longer term um not wanting to go out into the same area not wanting to use the routes that they use normally for fear of coming across the dog again things like that and they're they're kind of big impacts for us and we have a dedicated safeguarding team within guide dogs that these incidents get referred to so um the guide dog owners do get support then from their mobility team and also from from safeguarding it's very hard to draw any positives out of this uh, because of the nature of, of this discussion. Perhaps the one we can pull out of this is that we're talking about this issue now. Yeah, absolutely. And also, 
Well, it, it does seem quite negative. Um, we have to remember we have close to 5,000 working guide dogs out there at the moment. And so um, although the incidents are absolutely, um, they have a, a huge impact to the people that are involved, the likelihood of actually being in a dog attack, um, if you think about 10 dogs out of 5,000 every month, um, it's probably somewhere along the lines of what it is in the pet dog population. So um, that's kind of puts it into perspective. Also, we've been able to campaign for changes in the law um, on the back of kind of collecting this data and being aware of the information. So um, obviously there's been changes to the sentencing for people that um, are responsible for dogs that, are, that cause dog attacks on, on assistance dogs. And they are, I think the, the penalty for those is um, up to three years imprisonment. So while the story itself is negative, the things that the research enables us to do as a result of that story and, and enables the campaign team to do is and can be quite positive. Okay, well, uh, we thank you for the work you've done on this report. Uh, Rachel Moxon, reporter author, thank you for joining us here on Insight Radio. You're welcome. Thank you very much. The charity Guide Dogs has sent us a statement from their senior campaigns manager, James White. It reads... Attacks on guide dogs are extremely distressing for their owners. Not only is the attack itself traumatic, but if the dog has to stop working as a guide dog afterwards, then the owner may find it impossible to leave home on their own. We were delighted when, in May 2014, a new law came into force introducing tougher sentences for owners whose dogs attack guide dogs. We had also campaigned for a new law introducing compulsory microchipping for all dogs, which comes into effect this April. We hope these new laws will act as a strong deterrent. We are now monitoring how police forces and the courts will use their new powers. That statement there from James White, the senior campaigns manager at Guide Dogs. Now, if you've been affected in a similar way and would like to tell us your story, get in touch through our website or in touch through social media at Insight Radio on Twitter or find us on Facebook. Thanks for listening to this podcast from RNIB's Insight Radio. For more podcasts, check out insightradio.co.uk.